the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Welcome in, Rob Black, and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. A daily dose of what's happening on Wall Street and why mixed in with some economics, investing, retirement, insurance, whatever we have to. Hint, tips, tricks to get you to retirement. That's the goal of the show. Interesting times. SP 500 fell into a correction territory. That's fine by me. All I did was get this stupid t-shirt and I lived through the correction of 2022. Do I want it to become a bear market? Probably not want, but I'd be okay with it. Sure. I don't mind down markets that come with the territory. All of last year, 70 times I said SP 500 set an all-time record high. If I say that next year or even later this year or two years from now, I'm good with down markets. If I say next week, I'm also good, just so you know. Home Depot fell the most in nearly two years after supply chain bottleneck squeezed its margins. That was 2021. 2022 is a different story. Lowe's and Home Depot are doing quite well. The sanctions have begun. President Biden announced a first tranche of sanctions on Russia that targets two financial institutions, its sovereign debt and Russian elites. The EU also agreed to new sanctions while Germany halted approval of its Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline, $11 billion project that could have doubled Russian's natural, natural gas exports to Germany. Taking one for the team. I'd prefer not to talk a lot about Putin, but it's going to probably happen, right? U.S. Omicron cases have dropped about 90% from their pandemic high of 800,000 on January 15th. An average of 84,000. As for the death toll, the seven-day average dropped under the 2,000 mark for the first time since January 19. Even as states around the country lift mask mandates, flight attendants unions expect a federal mask mandate on planes to be extended past its current expiration of March 18th. I will say that probably has to not be great to fight for masks on the customers flying in your plane. I think we'd all want to fight about something a little bit more noble. Meta has TikTok in its sites, recently launching its Reels product globally for all Facebook users. Reels is a huge deal for Meta. The company's most recent earnings call, Zuckerberg said the company's fastest growing content format. I can't stand it. People post these. What's up with the post? Like there's something like this. Uh, girlfriend's playing a trick on boyfriend. She's hiding something and they make the video play for like 23 minutes to get the reveal that it's not as dirty, not as sexy, not as naughty as you thought it was going to be. Like, what? It seems just like a lot of fraud. It seems like fake uh, videos, but that's just me. The Supreme Court's going to hear an appeal from the prospective Colorado web designer who, due to her religious beliefs, only wants to provide services to heterosexual couples which puts her at odds with state law that prohibits discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation. I wish I had more on that in my head. I don't. 
it is sadly something that I, I don't, I kind of miss. A six-year legal battle over gender discrimination between several members of the United States women's national soccer team and the sports governing body. U.S. soccer has ended in a $24 million settlement. Included in the deal is a promise of equal pay for the men's and women's teams going forward, pending a new collective bargaining agreement. That took a little bit too long in court. I feel like I've been doing that story for a long time, and that's how courts work, right? So the 61 women included in the deal are going to receive $22 million in back pay, an acknowledgement that they were underpaid compared to their men's team. And it is just $2 million will be placed in a fund for post-career endeavors and charity. Yesterday, we saw a big old giant poop floating around in the New York Harbor. It was a poop emoji, and it was a two, 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 two day, which I got a kick out of because on Jimmy Kimmel, he did a Hollywood production or Broadway production of two, 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 two day, February 22nd, year 2022. And uh, he did a super cut of all the stupid television announcers going two, 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 two. Yeah, it got crowded in there. So my, my buddy, Jim, James Fletcher, was uh, caught saying it stupidly and glorified for it. Um, Charmin's number one for your number twos was the, the reason they were floating a, a poop emoji in the New York Harbor yesterday. They're the number one for your number twos. Now, someone's probably going to win an award for that or someone's going to get fired for it. I'm not sure which one. The most valuable TV show in the United States is The Office. You think about Seinfeld, you think about The Office, you think about Friends. Peacock paid Universal $498,000 per episode of The Office in a five-year deal back in 2019. Seinfeld got $361,000 per episode. Friends got $360,000. The Big Bang Theory got $357,000. South Park, $348,000. So it is official. Seinfeld's better than Friends, but The Office is better than Seinfeld. I don't know what to make of that, but I'm going to go with it, all right? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. The markets yesterday did not cooperate with, I guess, if we were to call it like we see it. We knew Putin was going to invade, and guess what? Putin invaded. And the market still acted like, oh, what's happening today? So yesterday kind of went, I think, kind of as expected. Slack went down yesterday, creating havoc for employees nationwide. It's a workplace messaging system. Users had trouble sending and receiving messages, getting notifications. I always blame it on the apps when I'm late for work or late for a Zoom. Oh, my app was updating. Salesforce-owned company serves more than 156,000 corporate customers, including major organizations like Netflix, Uber, and others. Crypto scammers are turning to dating apps and social media. This is becoming a bigger and bigger story. Some dating app users are feigning month-long relationships to dupe unsuspecting victims out of their life savings. I wonder how much you'd have to pay me to be in a fake relationship for three months so I can get access to criminal data. I don't know. Where's where's that line of everyone can be bought? Venture capitalists outlined the 20 European fintech startups set to blow up in 2022. 
uh, blow up in a good way or blow up in a bad way? Blow up in a good way. So I do like to read what venture capitalists are trying to push us towards, but at the same time, I'm very, very wise to the fact that they try to set an agenda and try to own a platform. So Klarna, Revolt, Checkout.com, and Neobank from Germany called N26 are considered the best players, creating cool things right now. U.S. mortgage applications tumble last week to a two-year low. We're seeing markets open higher, but instantly start moving lower, but they're still up for the day. But get this, the Dow Jones Industrial Average 30 is up four points, which equals 0.01%. NASDAQ's falling uh, to up nine. NASDAQ's uh, SP 500 up six. It looks like we're still waiting and seeing on the Russia-Ukraine situation. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. A straightforward approach to managing your money. The Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Thank you for listening to the Rob Black Show podcast. This is just one tool that I use to help you create wealth. My website, robblackshow.com, is loaded with useful resources like planning for retirement and how to choose a financial advisor, financial strategy videos with certified financial advisors, and much, much more. You can contact me and I will put you in touch with a certified financial planner. Visit robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. A personal financial plan with custom investment advice. That's why Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP services were built with you in mind. How can they help you? Find out at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com. I like watching trends. I invest in trends. One of the very first trends I ever invested in was demographics. Back in the 1990s, media was filled with thoughts of the baby boomers getting set to retire. Every day, 20,000 baby boomers will retire. Every day, 20,000 baby boomers will go on social security. They will start selling bigger homes for smaller homes. So the trend was, well, we're going to need more pharmaceuticals. We're going to need more smaller homes. We're going to have more inventory of bigger homes. There was a, a story back then that as the baby boomers retire, the stock market will crash as they start drawing down their generations of wealth because those lazy generation Xers didn't do anything to save for their future. So the drain down from Wall Street, it never happened. That was one of those trends that you know we tried to put the logic into the numbers and it didn't happen. Pharmaceuticals happened. Pharmaceuticals still great long-term companies, which is interesting to say that because I've got a man who's 15 years younger than me who serves as my production manager on the show. Yesterday, he slipped in something like when we talked during the breaks, he slipped in, yeah, why don't we go after that? Why don't we demonize Big Pharma? I'm like, no. Uh, But again, I'm speaking from the capitalist side of it. I don't have a problem with Big Pharma. Um, I don't like the fact that Canadians pay less for drugs than we do, but also I like the fact that we make a hell of a lot more money than, than Canadians. I don't like the fact that the people who don't make a hell of a lot more than the Canadians pay more for healthcare than Canadians who make the same amount. That's, that's bothersome. Like I said, I'm kind of sometimes a quagmire of troubled thoughts that I haven't really thought through. We come to a fork of the road. Odds are that it may have been left there from someone in a drive through This is a trend. And I'll tell you, there's a payoff here, but 
I've not looked at the company's financials. So don't take the payoff as investment advice. New data shows demand for grabbing a meal without leaving the comfort of a driver's seat has been transformative for the real estate of restaurants, especially after the pandemic made drive through restaurants an even bigger part of life. So we're going through drive throughs more. Interesting, right? Last year, the sales of restaurant, pharmacy, and bank properties reached a record $12 billion or 43% more than the pre-pandemic 2019. Car-friendly real estate properties outfitted with drive through lanes demand rents 10 to 20% higher than typical lots and are being sold at a premium. So if you're a real estate developer setting up your little mall with two or three stores ability to do drive throughs is a very smart thing to do. The search for drive throughs has pushed the average property sale to $392 per square foot, 7% higher than the same quarter in 2019. Let me give you some statistics on it real quick. Chipotle Mexican Grill opened its first drive-thru in 2018. It's first. Number one, Uno. Uh, Premier. One. Back in 2018, right? Didn't something called the pandemic hit in 2020, 291? Kind of still here in 2022. And now they've got 355. 78 of those restaurants opened in the last quarter drive through Chipotle Mexican Grills. 86% have drive throughs of the 78. So Chipotle is saying, we know the future right now, or we think we do. People don't want to get out of their cars. And I'll be honest with you, I feel the same exact way. Uh, it would be nice if on a road trip that McDonald's opened its doors so I could go urinate inside the building instead of on the outside of the building. <laughs> I know you're saying that's a lot of information. I don't know about you. If you did a road trip during the pandemic, there was a point in time where you're like, uh, let's stop at a fast food place. And you're like, or gas, all the gas, everything was closed. All the, all the indoor bathrooms, the gas stations. And so it was like, okay, mother nature. I'm sorry. Turn the other way. Mother nature. Rob has to tinkle. I used to have like just this amazing bladder. Just it was, it was something like men and women would like say greatest of all time bladder, road trip bladder. I could do seven, eight hours easy. Not so much anymore. A lot of information there. Okay, back to the restaurant thing for Rob Black. Chipotle's opened up 355 drive throughs Clearly, they're focused on opening new buildings right now. 86% are leaning towards drive throughs There's a company out of Oregon. I, I'm starting to see them pop up in the United States, Dutch Brothers, or not in the United States, because Oregon is in the United States last time I checked. Oh, 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 Trump has invaded Portland. He's taken over Oregon, calling it his own. No, but Dutch Brothers. Out of Oregon, they serve coffee and energy drinks. They saw 50% more traffic last year compared to before the pandemic. There's a trend, Chipotle's showing it with how they're building and Dutch Brothers showing us with pre-pandemic numbers that people prefer drive throughs As if the COVID can't get on your bag of food that they're handing from there to you. Although, what do you, how do you feel about those um, drive throughs where they have the incredibly long credit card machines? 
that they robot arm it into your vehicle and you're like, whoa, I bet your forearm hurts later in the day from holding that thing straight up. Um, so a CEO told the Wall Street Journal for an article on restaurant trends, he leased a property for 20% higher than asking price after four franchisees operators from the same fast food chain all put in bids. Okay. So there's competition for real estate now, especially in businesses and drive throughs are a thing. I don't know how much more we have to pound on this, but I, I think that's good insight into how you should look to investing. When I own Chipotle Mexican Grill, I would. I'd like to look at a chart before I commit to that. So let's take a quick look at a chart. Uh, I've just said it, so I should do it, right? To me, Chipotle every now and then gets into problems with lettuce. Sometimes food quality, but they said when prices of avocados go up, we raise our prices. So I like they're they're on top of it. Okay, let's take a look at a five-year chart. Oh boy. Let's take a look at a one-year chart. A five-year chart's a little bit daunting because it's been a winter, winter chicken dinner. So 52-week high of about 2000, is that right? Yeah, about 1937. And now it's down to 1450. So it's off 500 plus points. It's off a good 15%. Short term, the trend looks like it's going to try to bottom right around 1378. But if it doesn't there, I would absolutely buy at 1325. I'm not against buying it for the long term right now, but it's expensive. Nah, let's let's not say I'm let's just say I'm inconclusive on this one. But it's the right idea with drive throughs I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find us at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. I always like saying that there's a lot going on on Wall Street, and it's true. We started the year with maybe 10 headwinds, with one of them being high-priced oil, and another one being Putin and Ukraine. They're playing out this week on some levels. Will they finish this week? Let's ask Patrick O'Hara to pull out his... Patrick O'Hare, not Hera. Patrick O'Hare to pull out his crystal ball from briefing.com. Patrick, welcome into the show. Uh, what do you make of the recent action on Wall Street? Hey, Rob. Nice to be back hey. with you. Uh, um, it's, uh, you know, obviously been volatile. Um, and we think that it really reflects just a, a lot of agitation over the pervasive uncertainty right now as it relates not only to Russia and Ukraine, but also to uh to the Fed's policy action and, and what it could ultimately mean uh, down the road. Isn't it kind of interesting that Putin is somehow in Jerome Powell's head at the Federal Reserve and Vladimir Putin's in my head on, will I be able to afford a road trip this summer with gas at $5 a gallon or $4 a gallon or $3 a gallon? Like it's, it's just odd the way everything's interconnected in a weird, funny, great, beautiful way on Wall Street. Um, I bet you didn't think Jerome Powell would have an ace up his sleeve as he could say, eh, but Putin did his thing, so I'm going to do mine. And maybe he could change course. Maybe he can go a little bit slower where he needs to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's what makes our job interesting uh, while we've been at it as long as we have. I mean, it, there's kind of always something new to think about, uh, and, and yet it's kind of all the same, right? There's always you know a causal factor, and then you get the – the interconnectedness, the interrelationship of the capital markets reacting to 
you know, any particular catalyst and you just, you know, named uh, a few in particular. And, and so that's what we're stuck with right now. It's, it's you know, what's going on in um, uh, President Putin's mind, which I guess no one can really figure that out. Um, and uh, and what's going on in the market's mind as a result of it. And, and that kind of gets back to what I led with really is that there's just tremendous uncertainty. You know, you can dream up uh, a lot of uh, worst case, a worst case scenario as it relates to what's happening there. And, and what's embedded in that worst case scenario is not just the human suffering that would, you know, take place with a full scale invasion, uh, but the potential economic fallout as a result of that as we learn increasingly about, uh, you know, Ukraine's importance as, uh, you know, provider of uh, food for, for the Europe, uh, as well as uh, key commodities and the production of semiconductors, uh, and then also obviously Russia's uh, importance in providing energy to, uh, to Europe. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, the connection really now is, relates, I think, to what the Fed is considering is that you have this, uh, this picture of whether a you know, a full-scale invasion into Ukraine will lead to uh, a much uh, more challenging economic period, i.e. a much slower period of growth that would probably make it so that the Fed does not need to be as aggressive in raising interest rates, or potentially you see a spike in a number of commodities, namely uh, oil and natural gas, uh, as well as the agricultural commodities that just makes this uh, inflation picture that's gotten out of hand here get more out of hand. And that could necessitate more aggressive policy action on the part of the Fed, which itself could lead to much slower economic growth down the road. So kind of, you know, really in a pickle right now. And the market doesn't like, I think, either outcome uh, because uh, both outcomes are, are, are not good for the earnings growth picture. And it's being very difficult right now to uh, figure out how to value companies uh, and therefore, um, you know, you're seeing a lot of, uh, you know, selling into the uncertainty uh, as well as into the uh, growing likelihood that earnings growth momentum is going to slow for, you know, a number of reasons here as we move through 2022. So inside your page one column, Patrick O'Hare, you mentioned that at yesterday's closing levels, the S&P 500 and NASDAQ were down 10.3% and 16.7% from their all-time highs. I started my show off this morning saying, S&P 500 hit correction yesterday, being down 10%. If it goes into a bear market, I'm good with that because I'm young enough. As long as at some point down the road, you and I are going S&P 500 all-time high. It doesn't have to be this month. It doesn't have to be next year. It doesn't have to be the year after. As long as I say it, then I won by not selling low, by not selling off the highs. Is that a psychology you're allowed to play with? Or is that a psychology you're not into that behavioral finance, like the long-term um, because you're saying some gloomy stuff with, with earnings in, in the stock market right now. It's not gloomy, gloomy. It's just, it's not shiny. <laughs> right. Well, it's, you know, I think it's, it's just fundamentally based here. Um, and yep. I think you make, you draw out a really important distinction though, Rob, and it's, it's you know, what's one's time horizon here, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, one doesn't always have the benefit of, of, of timing versus time. Uh, if you can, uh, if you don't have to raise money for any purpose, whether it's raising you know money to pay for a child's college education, to put a down payment on a house, or um, or any number of reasons, right? Uh, then you know market history suggests that time is on your side, and we will see uh, all-time new all-time highs again. You just have to wait it out. Um, uh, but if 
you know, time is not on your side and you're looking to uh, and you're going to need cash uh, out of the stock market here over the near term, well, then it could probably be prudent to be a little bit more defensive in terms of your approach to the market, uh, which has uh, seen some multiple compression here, but which still isn't necessarily cheap uh, relative to historical averages. Uh, the 10-year average PE multiple forward 12-month PE multiple, according to facts, that's uh, 16.7 times. Uh, you know, last week we closed right about 19.2 times. And that's before we've seen interest rates really go up. And, uh, and, and so, you know, our concern here is that uh, analysts are still a little bit too optimistic here in terms of their 2022 earnings growth expectations and that uh, the market could still be subjected to further multiple compression here as it adjusts to the reality that uh, prices, while lower, aren't necessarily cheap enough yet uh, relative to the likely earnings growth we're going to see. What else are you working on at this point in time that we need to be paying attention to? Because we're kind of mostly out of earnings, although you still report positively on, you know, the winners and losers of the, the uh, earnings season, including Palo Alto Networks today. That's in your page one. Uh, what do you think the next couple months short term uh, is in store for Wall Street? Because back half the year, we got the elections and that'll be transformative yeah. as well. Well, you know, you mentioned that it was kind of sounding gloomy, um, and a little bit. Um, and I don't think that that's that's not necessarily out of out of character with the the general market uh, perspective right now. And um, and I do respect the fact that uh, um, consensus gloominess, if you will, uh, tends to be a contrarian indicator, um, meaning that a lot of the negativity gets priced in which opens the door potentially for a nice short-term, sweet-looking rebound effort. Uh, I think we'll see uh, that type of action here. Um, obviously, we, have to, we need more clarity on Russia's uh, involvement in Ukraine. Um, but obviously, if we can get some sense that that's not going to really uh, uh, escalate toward a worst-case scenario, uh, there could be a nice relief rally there just because there is so much negativity here built up into the market in the short term. So I'm watching for that possibility. Uh, but at the same time, relative to my general view uh, of what's going on with waning earnings growth momentum and a Fed that is certainly shifting to a tougher policy position uh, in removing its policy accommodation, I think we're going to see kind of like this repeat cycle throughout the year where you get these nice short bursts of speculative energy offset by uh, an inclination to sell into strength as the market tries to get its mind around uh, a period of what will likely be slower growth as a result of rising interest rates and slower earnings growth, and therefore isn't going to be as willing to pay up for every dollar of earnings as it was uh, in the past. And it just needs to adjust to that factor. And so we could see this uh, ongoing volatility here as the year progresses. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com, a reliable source of domestic and international news content. I start my day with the service. It is a pay service. It is a great service. They've never paid me a dime. I just I like the service. Um, and um, I think they do a really, really nice job. Stocks fade early, having a good effort for a rebound, but we're not there. Um, Stockbrokers and hedge funds have too much of a reason right now to, to embrace the volatility and say things could get worse. A 10% correction is not a bear market. Bear markets are not uncommon. A lot of tech stocks have already gone through a bear market. 
Consumer discretionary sector is leading the turnaround with a 1.2% decline amid weakness in Amazon and Tesla. Tesla's under $800 a share. Home Depot is highlighted uh, yesterday, pulled back a little bit today. So we're giving stocks a little bit of a reward when they show great earnings like Home Depot and today Lowe's and Palo Alto Networks. Don't be surprised if it disappoints tomorrow as it fades the lack of strength or the lack of follow-through. There's lack of conviction on Wall Street right now. Very normal, very healthy. I like it because I get to dollar cost average into market indexes in my 401k. And that's the best thing for me. If you look historically at your returns, let's say the S&P 500 was up 20% last year. You tend to do better from the year ago that you put it in versus what you did this year, because some of it you were putting in uh, up 10%, up 15%, up 18, up 19. So by the end of the year, like I was not totally 20% in the year 2021, but everything in 2020 was. So the stuff that's settled, I like down markets, I like down periods. I like lower dollar cost averaging it is very calming for me. Thanks for listening to the show. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. I've got a lot of content with great downloadables. Find me at robblackshow.com. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. Thanks for listening to the show. I pledge if you listen, I will do everything I can to bring you somewhat infotaining content that is geared towards getting you towards retirement, become a better investor, try not to make the same mistakes that we always keep making. Volkswagen is in deep talks to hit the gas on the Porsche IPO. I find that interesting. Half the vehicles created by Volkswagen last year were EVs as they get away from diesel and the scandals of their past. That's just fun to say, get away from the scandals of your past. Scandalous with Rob Black. That'd be the name of my perfume if I were to have a perfume. So a week of headlines devoted to a flaming cargo ship has left uh, Volkswagen. Led them into a wheelie good story. A wheelie, get it? A wheelie. Company is seriously exploring an IPO of a tightly profitable Porsche line in what would be the biggest IPO in both the auto sector and in Germany. Luxury car has been a dependable business since the early 20th centuries. One of the things I, I tend to throw down is like in a good economy and a bad economy, we still buy luxury. People that have money, they don't notice a bad economy. People that don't have money, they go to the Dollar General a lot more. People that do have money, they're like, what is a dollar store? Luxury is something we do in good and bad times. Luxury cars have been dependable since the beginning of the 20th century, as I mentioned. Porsche is uniquely appealing, uniquely profitable for an automobile maker. That is very rare in this day and age. Porsche has what I would refer to as cultural pool. It's been featured prominently in movies around the world. Bad boys. Steve Jobs used to, uh, to buy one every six months. Risky business. 
Guido the Killer Pimp. Do you remember Guido the Killer Pimp threatening to Tom Cruise? And uh, Tom Cruise is really, really high. He takes Rebecca Dornay out to the end of the pier on, a, on his dad's Porsche. And, well, the pier breaks because it wasn't meant for cars. <laughs> and in goes the vehicle. And thus, he becomes a pimp. And Guido the Killer Pimp, not too happy with him. Yeah, I don't know if that story can be made in this day and age. And everyone who's under 35 is like, what's risky business? And isn't Tom Cruise that old guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He wasn't always. So some Wall Street estimates have Porsche valued at roughly $200 billion. $226 billion U.S., $200 billion euros. Exceeding even VW's $110 billion market cap. Porsche earned about $3.4 billion euros or a third of its profit. If you come full circle, spinning off Porsche would not only bring VW heaps of cash, it would also fulfill the car maker's longtime ambition of decentralizing some of its brands. The core business can focus on the race to electrify against Tesla. It's, for instance, I'm not a car enthusiast, but let's pretend I'm talking as if I was a car enthusiast. It would sound something like this. Do we really want Porsche to be an electric vehicle? Don't we want the gas-powered hum? The rah, 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 rah. Don't we want that? Like, there's some people who don't want electrification, so it makes sense that Porsche might want to step aside because VW got into some some big problems and almost went bankrupt, tied towards diesel engine conspiracies, where they're basically telling your car to fake it during the smog test. So you thought you were driving around clean diesel and it was just a filthy, dirty car making the roads filthy, dirty. VW almost went down for that. VW doubled its electric vehicle sales last year and they planned its fleet to be fully electric by 2035. You could say that gas-powered vehicles are being sent to the old folks' home. Yeah. Not going to quit the day job. 10 biggest losers in the S&P 500 this year. I like stories like this. In large part, there's probably 100 different companies you can buy, right? But you only want to maybe accumulate 10 to 20. But you can say, I'm going to get a food company. And you can say, well, Amazon's in food. You can say Target's in food. You can say Walmart's in food. You can say Kroger's specifically in food. They're a big loser this year. Worthy of note? Worthy of saying, this is my time to step up? Probably not. I still like very boring names like MasterCard and Visa. Shares of MasterCard were essentially unchanged in 2021, lagging the broader market by about 26 percentage points. The spread of COVID-19 greatly curtailed their cross-border spending, as well as billings related to travel and entertainment. The airline industry said yesterday, we are opening up and it is looking good. And yeah, there's still some masking issues and there's still some hot spots for COVID. But as of now, we're, we're expecting more opening than shutting down. We're expecting more positive than negative. So as things reopen, do you think you're going to be traveling and spending money on our cards? And the answer is, I think so. Um, So I like looking at stocks that are underperforming in the short term as kind of like my starting point when I do look 
Okay, well, let me, let me put this down another way. I don't like buying stocks at all-time highs. I own shares of Amazon 40% from its all-time high. I've never bought it. I've never bought Amazon at its all-time high. I don't think you have to. I think it comes back. I think stocks are always expensive, but at all-time highs, all the stock has ever created is winners. I kind of like knowing that some people are going to be like, oh, I'm going to have to hold it to get my money back. Oh, that they were too, they didn't look at the price. I don't mind buying 10, 20% off on my favorites. I don't mind 20 to 40% off on, on the greatest companies of all time in the tech space, more so than say in the financial space. I, financial space, I want my 10% off. In tech, maybe 20 to 40 you can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.